It's time to explore the unexplained, to delve into the mysteries of our world and the realms beyond, to seek out the answers to phenomena that defy conventional explanation. Welcome to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G, where that journey begins. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the brand new show, Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark on the Hazy Radio Network. I am your host, Chucky G, along with me, my wonderful, beautiful, and lovely co-host, Miss Karen Frazier. Hello, Karen. Holla. <laughs> Holla. We in the house, Holla. people. Uh-huh. <laughs> we in the house. So I hope everybody's uh, ready for a two hours of paranormal goodness. We're going to put you in a cocoon of paranormal goodness for two hours. Oh, We're going to chat right. with a, I know. We're, we have a wonderful guest, uh, Miss Miriam Knight, who is the founder of New Conscious Review, a healer, author, publisher. And we're going to be talking about her book, What Wags the World, Tales of Conscious Awakening, this evening. I, good, love, I love shows about consciousness. This is in my wheelhouse, mister. <laughs> Well, as long as you stay conscious tonight, we'll be just fine, Karen. Well, that is always the question, isn't it? I know. I know. <laughs> you had a you had a rough patch going there. You were not feeling so well lately, but I'm glad you're I'm glad you're back on board because I, I, I don't want to do the whole two hours by myself. No, that'd be a little rough for you, I'm sure. No, I'm I I I'll hang in there until the end. Awesome. So uh, this is gonna be interesting to talk to her. I was reading about trying to read about like, you know, what the book is. Uh it looks like, because um, it's interesting, it says, when mystical experiences occur, people awaken to a more humane worldview. And I'm kind of interested at True. that statement, at that statement, like, what's that mean, yes. you know? Yes. Like, um, is it like, just, they have to have a near-death experience, or can they just have an awakening? Is no, there, and no. Fine? You know what I mean? What's that mean? What do you think? No, I don't what? think you do. So, okay. it's interesting, because, uh, as Cheryl knows, if she actually read the column that I submitted, that's exactly <laughs> what my column is about this month, isn't it, Cheryl? Oh, were you listening to the show cheryl yeah i no. i read the first paragraph okay <laughs> <laughs> okay so let's just not talk to cheryl because it won't make any sense okay though. just hang up or don't hang up or the show will go yeah. off the air and people no, heard no, enough no. of you last last hour uh, with your typing yeah you're very very fast <laughs> typing I am. I am you have some you have some speed i've got some speed behind me yeah, yeah. No, but my column this month is actually uh, talking about that because, um, you know, you mentioned I've been under the weather. I actually had uh, two emergency room visits last week, last week um, hemorrhaging that cost me 50% of my blood volume and then um, surgery to stop the hemorrhaging, <laughs> which is always a good thing, right? Yeah, it's always good to stop and, the blood yeah, volume. Yeah, 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 and, and a blood transfusion. And so I've been recovering from that, but I had a really interesting, I've had really interesting dreams and experiences ever since the surgery last week. And um, I'm not, you know, on super pain meds and I'm not tripping balls or anything, <laughs> but it's, it's kind of awakened some things as far as... Um, Every, everything I see in my dreams now is surrounded by white light and has a core of white light. Really? Ever since yeah. this has happened? Uh-huh. And, it, and this wasn't happening before? Uh-huh. So this, this is new? Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah, and a lady came into my room, too. 
And uh, Jim says this was just me tripping balls, but I disagree. And <laughs> she was she was like this blonde lady who wasn't really in good focus. She kind of had a, a, a glow look. I'm talking with my hands like everybody can see what I'm talking I about. I can see you. It's okay. I keep flipping your hands. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and so she kind of had this this ethereal glow about her, and she her her voice was very melodic and soothing, and she sat down on the bed, and she talked to me, and she, she said, okay, these are the things that you need to do, uh, both physically and spiritually, to recover from this. Really? Yeah. Do you think that, do you it think what happened? So, so uh, yes, I know, you were tripping balls. No, I wasn't but, tripping balls. Oh, tripping balls. But, I mean, do you think, uh, you know, since I think that all things happen for a reason, do you think that, even though this was not a nice thing that happened to you, that maybe it happened to you for a reason to bring you further into your psychicness or whatever this. I, I do. I, I do. I actually, what was really interesting about it is, okay, you guys are just going to think I'm a flake. And so I'm just going to have to say that. And I'm sorry, but uh, for years I've had dreams about this guy that I went to school with like grade school with. And whenever he's in one of my, and I haven't seen him in years. I haven't seen him since I was like maybe 12 or 13. Okay. Someone's yanking on my hood. Yeah. Anyway. Um, and so I, um, when I have a dream about him, it means that a huge change is coming. And I was perfectly fine last weekend, last Saturday, a week before this weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, a week before. So like 10 days ago, I was perfectly fine. I was running around the house. I was clean, and I was my normal, energetic, peppy self. We talked. Mm-hmm. You talked yeah. to me that yep. day, and mm-hmm. I was yeah. just peppy as heck, wasn't I? Yeah, you were fine. You were a peppy, mm-hmm. peppy, peppy. Well, right before this started, I had a dream with him in it, and um, so I pulled one of my cards because it means something, a change is coming, and the change said trans- transformation. Whoa. Yeah, that's what the card said that Whoa. I pulled. Was and, ex- and that's pretty much what happened. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. And um, Rob St. Helen, who has lost 75% of his blood volume at one time, is heckling me in the chat room saying only 50%. Yes, Rob, you win. <laughs> oh, geez, now I have to beat you both. I have to go for 80. <laughs> no, well, the, the, uh, the ER doc when I went in who told me, you know, it was 50%, he said, mm-hmm. he said well, he said, you're going to be okay. We had somebody uh, last week who lost 70%. And I said, I think my friend Rob lost 75. Oh, <laughs> so. Yeah, this is probably not a trend to continue because, you know, someone's going to win this <laughs> in a bad way. Um, I know. <laughs> but so and then and then um, so Friday I had the surgery and mm-hmm. um, Saturday night we were supposed to have an investigation here at the museum. And um, I just felt this absolute even though I felt like crap and mm-hmm. have no energy because, you know, no blood. Um Anyway, I, I needed to go to this thing at the museum. I just had to. Mm-hmm. And um, we had a pretty profound evening there. And so, I mean, I mostly sat in a chair. I'm not going to lie. And, you know, Jim followed me around to make sure I didn't keel over. <laughs> <laughs> but we wound up having a really profound evening there, probably the most profound evening I've ever had at the museum. And we've had, I mean, you read the book. You know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I've seen the video. I saw the video, so yeah, it's, it's yeah, yeah, stuff at that place. So, guess what? I brought from my old show to the new show. That's right. You know, Cheryl uh, forgot about this, and this was how this is how we got you to agree to do it. As we said, you could do this. You're going <laughs> to give us some news of the strange and the odd, and I'm so excited. Yes, Cheryl, will you run, please? When the world gets weird and things don't make any sense. 
it's news of the strange and the odd. Well, now I feel right at home. So here we go. We're going to jump right into it, people, with man finds car turn signal lodged in his arm. That is correct. <laughs> check this out. Arthur oh, Lampitt. touching my arm. I know. Check Ew. this out. This guy named Arthur Lampitt discovered that the bizarre object had embedded in his left arm for over, oh, 51 years. The 75-year-old remarkable story started back in 1963 when he had been involved in a car accident while driving to work. He broke his hip and suffered minor injuries from flying debris, but went on to make a full recovery. Around 10 years ago, however, Mr. Lampitt had been visiting a courthouse with his wife, Betty, when he inadvertently set off the metal detector. Confused, he went to the hospital and had an x-ray done, which revealed a metal object lodged in his left arm. The anomalous item was around the size of a pencil, but he hadn't caused him any noticeable harm or discomfort, so he decided to take no further action as to have it removed or examined. A few weeks ago, however, Lambert ended up back in the hospital when the object unexpectedly shifted in his arm, prompting doctors to remove it as soon as possible. When the object was finally extracted, however, everyone was amazed to discover that it was the metal turning signal lever from the car he had been driving when he crashed over 51 years earlier. Oh, my God. I know it says, like this says, we all see kinds of foreign objects like nails or pellets, but unusually nothing this large. Not a person from a 1963 T-Bird. Uh, Lampet, who is now recovering at home, has plans to turn the lever into a novelty keychain. <laughs> so, so my first comment is, yes. is when you were reading about him going back to the hospital because he was experiencing, I was expecting you were going to say he was experiencing his ass blinking on and off or something. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, I was going to say, well, how's he going to know which way to turn now? Because he doesn't have know, to well, turn <laughs> well, no, it's how does anybody else know which way he's That's going to right. turn? That's right. He's going to trash right into that poor guy now. So the well, next one is, my goodness. <laughs> the next one I got is even better. Oh, In good. heat. Like oh, here you go. In heat, bull elephants has taken to crushing cars. That is correct. Read this. And all in, in heat, bull elephant has crushed four cars in ten days at a national park in Thailand. The latest of which has terrified families inside the vehicle. I don't know why. I mean, it's just an elephant sitting on their car. I mean, come on. Right. So the, I mean, the, the wild pachyderm approached the silver car on Saturday, which is stopped in the middle of the road in the cane. K-O-Y-I National Park. The elephant, which appeared to sit on the bonnet briefly before, I'm assuming that's the roof, before standing up and testing the metal with its foot. The pachyderm then slowly climbed up atop upon the car, which Hatsama managed to fit all four of its giant feet on the bonnet, crushing it with all its weight. The oh, the family- bonnet is the front. Okay, the, the, yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So the family inside the car had just arrived at the park, a popular tourist spot to celebrate National Children's Day. The National Park chief said that no one was hurt in the incident, but the car's bonnet was crushed and the windshield shattered. Less than two weeks ago, on January 1st, the same elephant was responsible for damaging three more vehicles. A vet who has cared for the elephants in the park says the animal was in heat and likely stressed. In the mating season, the elephant might have developed some stress. Moving vehicles might have added to the tension. What do you think? Well, maybe, but I also think that this is why when you go to an animal park where the animals roam freely like that, you don't play <laughs> Let's Get It On on your radio. <laughs> They're playing little Barry White. Little Barry White, that's little right. Barry White. And all of a sudden, the other one's like, jumping on the cars. Yeah. Little in the mood from that. Lord. Oh, my gosh. What so here's heck? my question about that. Yes. Sure, go ahead. 
does car insurance cover the damages or is that like a natural disaster? You know how some policies, oh the natural disasters, they won't pay for. So is that considered an act of God? <laughs> I, you know, it's funny because I thought the same thing. It's like, how are you going to, yeah, yeah uh, listen, I need a insurance uh, a rep to come out and look at my car. This elephant was in heat. It was jumping all over it. It's all smooshed now. So I need you to cover it. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think I so. I don't know. I don't know. Do you have elephant insurance? Uh, yeah, that'd be funny. Okay, yeah, well, I read the story, sir, so when I get insurance from a car, do you guys have elephant insurance just in case I go to this park and I want to visit the elephants? Well, you know, so I feel that there's some uh, risk that you assume when you go to th some of those drive through <laughs> animal parks anyway. There's one here uh, nearby, the Olympic Game Farm, and they mm -hmm. have, like, bison and mm -hmm. um, and I don't know. I want to say zebras, but I know that's not right. <laughs> They have bison and other bison big animals. Okay, it's yes. not zebras. I don't remember what the other animals <laughs> are, but okay. there's bison and other animals that come up and they stick their head in your car because you feed them bread out the windows. Again, I'm waving my hands around like everyone can see well, me. For, for, <laughs> forget that, man. You got some animals sticking his head in your car. So he could just bite your face right. off. Right. So my point is, is that I think that there's... And what were the other animals, Jim, at the Olympic Game Farm? The bison and there was something else in the bison. Oh, they had big Kodiak bears that do tricks. They had Kodiak them. bears. Yeah. But what were the... Oh, what were the bears, though. In the bison enclosure, there was something else, too. They had, like, yaks and stuff. They were yaks or something. See, zebras wasn't far off. Um, sure. Did you know, by the way, that yaks milk is pink? Trivial no. pursuit answer. There That's you go. Right. Next month to speak, folks. That's right. No, but, but anyway, I so I, I think you assume some sort of inherent risk, don't you? Um, I don't think so. Yeah, if you're driving <laughs> in the park, yeah, you got to pretty much know that something could happen. I mean, it's like even when you feed the monkeys, and they're like all over the car and pooping on it, and you know, trying to reach in at you and stuff. And no, yeah. no, I, I don't think I'll do that. I'll look at them on pictures on television. That's okay, part, that sounds good to me. Part. Yeah. Yes. And then the last one I got is just really weird because it says, unusual metal recovered from ancient Greek shipwreck. This is kind of cool. Uh, 39 ingots of cast metal have been discovered from the ship that sank 26,000 years ago off the so southern coast of Sicily. The wreck dates to the first half of the 16th century. It was found about 1,000 feet from Gila's coast at a depth of 10 feet. Uh, the metal is being called, I can't see if I can pronounce this right, Orchard. Orkulkum, Orkulkum, I don't know if that's what it is. A legendary metal that in the 4th century B.C. Greek philosopher Plato attributed to the mythical island of Atlantis. Nothing similar has ever been found. We knew the metal from the ancient texts and a few ornamental objects. Uh, analysts of the metal shows that it is not an alloy made of copper. It's an alloy made of copper, zinc, and small percentages of nickel, lead, and iron. The ingots were most likely destined for shops in Gila. So it's interesting that they find these metal, this metal, uh, and it kind of fits to what was prescribed. But, but what's interesting to me is all these metals you could be found on Earth, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's not like they had some uh, mysterious metal that they couldn't figure out. You know, right, so, well, like you would expect on an alien craft or something. Yeah, yeah. you know, because I'm reading. Like and I was waiting for them to say, and there's some metal that we cannot tell what it is. Then I would be a lot more impressed than okay, it's it's copper, zinc, and nickel. Well, yeah, and you just give it a name, and now it has to come from Atlantis, really. Yeah, it's copper, zinc, and weirdium. <laughs> copper, zinc, and weirdium. There you have it here, weirdium, folks. Weirdium. That's right. I think. Don't you think that that when they find elements that they could should consult me to name it for them? Yeah, I think so. I think uh -huh. so, but that, I mean, yeah. that's all I have for the the news this evening. But I mean, I just found the the the, the I found the turning signal thing just 
fascinating. <laughs> I just I like, have this image I, in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading it going, no way. I mean, it's from a 1963 T-Bird. It's not a small piece. That's a gigantic, how would you not... I don't know. I don't know how to, I, how, I, I, I don't I, understand. I don't understand like when the crash happened. Okay. And, and debris is flying all over the freaking place. Where, yeah. How, you know, like how do they, when he goes to the hospital and he's bleeding and he's all cut up, how would they not notice there's a giant piece of, of a lever in his arm? I, I wish I could answer that. Yeah, folks. And you thought the I, paranormal was weird. There you go. You know, I, I, I'm sorry, but I think that tales from the real world, Mm-hmm. I mean, not that the paranormal isn't the real world, but you know what I mean. Tales yeah, from right. life. I, people are far stranger than the paranormal will ever be. Well, yeah, it's like when people go, well, you know, when you say the news is strange, yeah, it's not always about the paranormal. I go, no, but it's just as wacky. I mean, I know Cheryl remembers when we were talking about the people that were dragging around cabbages, right, Cheryl? Remember that one? Cabbages? Oh, yeah. Can't forget the cabbages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the cabbages. They were dragging around cabbages, and I, I don't know if it was... Uh, Japan or China or something like that because some psychologist told him if you drag them around, your negative energy will go into the cabbage and then you'll feel better. And these people had cabbages <laughs> on dog leashes and were dragging them on the ground. I think I listened to that show. Um, you know, I but that's a placebo. See, to me, that's a placebo effect thing. That's really easily explained because, you, you know, you can get people to believe anything. Well, yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah, evidently, if they'll believe about dragging a cabbage around the dog's leash, then I guess you can, right? Well, and you can get people to believe that there's not a turn signal lodged in their arms. <laughs> Honey, what's that flashing in your arm when I go to sleep at night? Oh, it's nothing. Don't worry. It's fine. <laughs> oh, ooh, God, that's me being happy yeah. to see you. Is that, a, is that a turn signal in your arm? Are you just happy to see me? <laughs> yep, and then the horn got lodged up his butt. Every time he sat down, burp, burp. What's that noise? I don't know what that is. Don't worry about it. Well, it makes me wonder what else is in there. <laughs> that's for a whole different kind of show, folks. <laughs> well, you know, that's that's like uh, when you talk. My sister was an ER nurse for a long time, and some of the things that she would tell me that people would come in <laughs> with in their, their butts was just astounding. So, really, yeah, in their yeah. butts. Sure. I was just making a joke. That's weird. They have like butt ER, where they just oh, it's, it's no. But that's... okay, where are you going to go if you got something stuck in there? <laughs> I don't know. A doctor is some kind of a doctor. I, I don't know. A butt doctor. What do they call butt doctors? What do they call them? Um, proctologists. Proctologists. There you go. They bring two proct- uh, proctologists, and they have them in the ER. They go, okay, this guy's got something in his butt. Move him over to the the third curtain because that's the butt guy. They'll take care of him. I don't know. I, I don't know. know. Mine, mine is exit only. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad to know that. Thanks for sharing, Karen. Mm-hmm. Thanks for very much for sharing with the rest of the world. I'm sorry you all had to hear that. I'm really sorry. I'm sorry, too. It's our first show, and this is what we've come to already. Yes, I know. Cheryl's going, all right, that's a cut. We're just ending the show now. No, no, no. This is going to be really good. We're going to have a good talk with Miriam, um, who, by the way, I friended on Facebook today. So okay. um, it's going to be cool. I, I, I'm interested to hear... Like, you know, and they had, like, if you look, like, I got this thing from Cheryl, I'll get, like, sample questions and stuff. Like, um, of course, like, I need sample questions. But You're so damn help. prepared. I know. Well, it does help, though, because there's some interesting questions. But um, I, I'm just, I'm just, in my head's just going, zh, zh, zh. there's so much stuff I need to know. So, Yeah, I am, um, I'm going to wing it, as I usually do. So this is why I think that this is a good pairing. Because okay. Rick and I always winged it, and it drove Cheryl crazy. 
Mm-hmm. And you are very prepared. I and I'm still winging it. That's all right. You can wing it. You can wing it, and I'll be prepared. You can hear. Listen, people, listen. Yeah, you can't hear them, but you can hear my notes. You can smell them. I can see mm-hmm. them. Yeah, I got notes everywhere. I got them on the desk. I got them on the keyboard. I got them everywhere, folks. So don't you worry. We're going to have a good show tonight. Well, here's the thing with consciousness, because I've always thought a lot about consciousness. Mm-hmm. And you have to start by asking what is consciousness and where does it even begin? Is it just a function? And Jim and I, um, because we're geeks, have a con- have had this conversation many times where he says, well, I think it's a series of biological, biochemical reactions in your body and that okay. it doesn't extend beyond your body. And I think it's, you know, this connection to everything and our higher selves and our spirit and the white light. And and so um, it's an interesting debate to have. And so you start any conversation about consciousness with first really even trying to define what it is. And here's the thing, and I may be wrong about this, and I don't know if Jim is, no, Jim's not still in the room, but he may come charging out and correct me. But I believe that there was they did some experiments and there were not enough um, neurons in the mm-hmm. brain and body to account for human consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, here he comes. Yeah, well, you know what? Did I get You're that wrong? To- oh, never mind. So, <laughs> so if we're trying, if we're trying to base, if we're trying to base consciousness and the whole concept of being psychic and everything on what what is on earth right now and scientists and all that stuff then that's impossible because we don't understand all of it so if you understand all of it how can you possibly have the answers to all of it i'm sorry i disagree yeah Yeah. i firmly disagree well, and but I look at quantum physics, and it, I mean, this is too deep for the last five minutes that we have before we need to go to break. But um, there are all sorts of things, like you and Rick were talking about the quantum cameras and that they work with mm-hmm. quantum entanglement. Mm-hmm. Well, I believe that that's how psychic information works, is quantum entanglement. Once two particles have interacted with one another, they are forever connected. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. And so in quantum entanglement, they talk about it in terms of spin spin states and things like that. And yeah. um, they can be separated by vast differences. But if one changes its state, the other does instantaneously. Jim's kind of Jim's kind of grimacing at me because I'm saying it wrong. But it's something if you want to come, you can put your face right up to this microphone here. So here he comes. We only have four uh, minutes. Here he comes. Okay. Here he comes. You're not actually that far off. Okay. Get your face by the microphone. Okay, tell us, Jim. Tell us really quick. Basically, she was pretty close. Um, you know, with, with spin, there's multiple spin states mm-hmm. that particles can have. And we're talking particles way below the proton, neutron, electron Don't lose level. them now, baby. Keep going. Mm-hmm. So it's actually the building blocks of all matter. And the thing is, is they're not really where we think they are in space. Mm-hmm. And that's why quantum entanglement can work over incredible distances, theoretically, across the entire universe. Right. So I was close. Yep. Thank you, honey. Well, yeah, I was, I was close. But so anyway, um, that's, I think, so that quantum camera to me is fascinating because it works on this, uh, you know, this whole thing. And I actually wrote an article for Paranormal Underground. Like, my first article I ever wrote for the magazine was about uh, quantum physics and how I thought it could explain paranormal stuff. 
Yeah, well, I, I find it really interesting. Um, of course, the quantum camera probably cost about $9 billion, so nobody will have one, but um, it would still be interesting to see them try it and to see what uh, comes of it. I think it's a, a step in the right direction. I think it's interesting. I think it's fascinating, too. So here's what we need to do. We need to go to break. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because yammer, yammer, yammer. They've been listening to us yammer for 30 minutes already. <laughs> so let's do this. We'll go to break. Come back with our guest. Uh, sound like a plan? Sounds awesome. Awesome. Okay, you guys, stick around. We'll be back in just a couple minutes. It's Paranormal Underground Radio on the Hazy Radio Network. Hey, everyone, it's me, Chucky G, and I'm here with Karen Frazier. We'd like to invite you to join us on Hazy Radio every Thursday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific, 10 to midnight Eastern for Paranormal Underground Radio. In the dark with Karen Frazier and Chucky G. We'll be exploring the paranormal and featuring the latest in spiritual and metaphysical topics, as well as interviewing intriguing guests. So please join us every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern for two hours of exciting paranormal radio on hazyradio.com. Hey everybody, this is Rick Hale, host of Common Sense Paranormal. Listen to me on hazyradio.com, Thursday nights, 8 to 9 p.m. Central. You are a waste, a loser. Everyone hates you. Why don't you just stay in your car and keep driving? I'm serious. Drive until you run out of gas and get out of your car and walk until you find someone who doesn't think you're dumber than bricks. Could take a while, but at least all that walking might burn a couple of calories. You may not witness bullying like this every day. Your kids do. They want to help, but they don't know how. Visit StopBullying.gov to learn safe, simple ways your child can help stop bullying. Be more than a bystander at StopBullying.gov. A message from the Ad Council. Hey, it's Scott, host of Cross the Void Radio, here on the Hazy Radio Network. So, with the warm weather of summer coming, we all want to be outside at the beach or just with our family and friends enjoying it, right? Make sure you're ready for summer with the Hazy Radio Network as well. Yeah, and I know what you're saying, Scott. How do we do that? Well, I'm going to tell you. Hazy Radio Network is found on many mobile applications for your Android, iPhone, or iPad. Applications like YourMuse.fm, iTunes, TalkStream Live, and many more. Just find your favorite, and we're probably there. Always remember the motto, be prepared. Drink lots of water, use plenty of sunscreen, and always remember to listen to Crossing the Void Radio and the Hazy Radio Network. To find more about where you can find the Hazy Radio Network, come to our website, www.hazyradio.com. At 28, man, I lost my mind. Stepping backwards on the heels of time. Another day gone. Another day breaks. Another punch card. Another lunch break. Another fear for another pain. Another smoke break. I'm standing in that rain. Just another dollar. I can't make. It's just another problem life that I can't shake. Cause I can't shake. To get me out of this place A whole bunch of lies Jump up in my face I can only dance I'm amazed And I can only love When I'm the place The sun don't shine When you're away Another love gone It's another love break Another's always money In my way I drink and smoke it all Just for a chance to stay Just to play it yeah, For all my life 
Maybe I should settle down Buy myself a pretty home And make sure that I clock in every day This is Hazy, and you're listening to the Hazy Radio Network. The views expressed and the opinions given by the individual hosts and their, their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Hazy Radio Network, its affiliates, or sponsors. All shows are independently owned and broadcast for entertainment purposes only. We are back. This is Paragon Radio in the dark on the Hazy Radio Network. I'm your host, Chucky G, along with me, the wonderful and effervescent Karen Frazier. Yes, effervescent like a denture tablet. <laughs> and I believe we have a guest this evening, Miss Miriam Knight. Miriam, are you there? I am here. Well, hello, Thank darling. You. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Chucky. And <laughs> hi, Karen. Hi, Miriam. I see. Uh, just I'm just looking at your phone number in the window, and I'm not going to say. Are you down in in the Portland area? I sure am. Well, I'm just up the coast. I'm in Washington State. Oh, great! Yeah, look at the like, neighbors. I know. There you go. So, Miriam, I have a question. Yes, sir. <laughs> I have a lot. I probably have lots of questions, but I'll just. It's a silly, silly statement. But anyways, um, okay, so. You are the founder of New Conscious Review. You are a healer, author, publisher. Uh, you knew what wags the world, tales of the conscious awakening. We're going to talk about that. But can you give us a little background on Miriam as a person? Can we do that first? Well, okay. I was uh, born in Venezuela, uh, raised in Boston, moved abroad uh, to Israel, and then moved to London and then moved to Portland. I call myself a citizen of the world, and I have learned in my travels that 
people are wonderful everywhere, and we're all trying to do the best we can. Um, it's just a shame sometimes that we forget that we're all part of the same great universal consciousness. So um, I did a midlife shift uh, in England. My husband and I both had uh, these experiences that um, really shook us up. We were both kind of left-brained types, and we started reading all we could about uh, mediumship and psychic communication because a, a friend of ours who had killed himself started trying to communicate. Oh, um, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> and yeah. um, we, we both decided that it was time to give something back to the world, so we did this shift from uh, corporate financial types back to uh, the real world, if you will. And um, my husband became a hypnotherapist, and I became an energy healer. Right. And, yeah. Well, tell me what kind of energy healing you do. Well, uh, I, I don't do a lot of it now, but I studied something called electrocrystal therapy with Harry Oldfield mm -hmm. in England. And uh, when... Uh, and also hands-on healing and Reiki. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And uh, when we came to the States, uh, my husband set up his practice, and I set up my practice too, but I had real difficulty asking for money. So I ended up becoming the editor and publisher of a holistic newspaper. Okay. And, yeah. Yeah, well, I get that. I, I understand the... Um, the difficulty with asking for money for um, energy work, because you know I do. It comes from the universe. It comes from God, anyway. So right, you're just a channel. Yeah, yeah, and I actually hear that as as uh, because I I do Reiki and some energy healing as well, and um, uh, you know I don't. I also do some some medium work, but I don't ever 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 do it for money. <laughs> Which which isn't always great for prosperity, um, for for financial prosperity. So so I understand. So instead of trying to to change that, you found another way to contribute. Then that's right. That's right. And I still do you know a bit of healing on the side, but mm -hmm. uh, the 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 main thing is really the publication. So what what so for someone like me doesn't know what you say was it called electro crystal. Healing, is that what it's called? Did I get that correct? Yeah, electrocrystal right, so therapy. W what is that? I don't know what that is, so you just have to enlighten me. Sure. Um, what it was uh, was utilizing a frequency generator to uh, pulse energy through tubes of different colored crystals, depending on the wavelength that we decided was needed for a particular circumstance. We took mm -hmm. measurements of the body, actually having clients hold on to a reference um, tube of crystals, and then using a decibel meter to measure the energy output at different parts of the body. And um, first we got a baseline, and anything above the baseline was a leakage of energy. Anything below the baseline was a blockage. And so the idea was to balance out the energies, to reduce the leakages, and to energize the blockages. Wow. Okay. Well, yeah, because I never, I never heard of that, and that that works very well. I take it. 
Well, it certainly worked well when when I studied it. Um, <laughs> when <laughs> when I came here and mm-hmm. I started working on clients, I actually quickly discovered that I was getting just as good results simply channeling energy with my hands, and it was so much simpler that I turned to that instead. Yeah, yeah. Well, Chuck has been um, kind of experiencing, would you say, Chuck, you've been experiencing an awakening in the last month or so, a couple months? Yeah, and I, yeah, actually, I have uh, June Lundgren's helping me do it in yeah. uh, chunks, too. So, yes, I am. Yeah, and, and so... Yeah, and he's and so he's. Um, I, I've spent some time talking to him about uh, about energy and how working with energy is is so important in. Um, well, not just physically. I mean, a lot of people think of it in terms of physical healing, but I think of it in terms of spiritual healing and finding your path and and that type of thing. So um, I know that you just do it a little bit now, but is that what led you to where you are? Indirectly, yes. Actually, mm-hmm. when uh, we, we came to Portland for a visit and we met this group of healers and we were going to uh, set up a healing center together. And uh, my husband and I went back to England and we sold our flat. But by the time we got back here, the group had kind of dissipated. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, with, with energy, it we are vibrational beings. And we have to understand the connection between our thoughts, our emotions, and our energy field and our physical body. It's all a whole. So, um, you know, trying to treat the, the symptoms just with drugs or even just with energy without dealing with the underlying emotional malaise um, is going to be at most a Band-Aid, and the issue will either come back or it will show up in a different way. Yeah. So you really need to do the work and find <laughs> out what's causing it. I agree. And actually, it's interesting because I, you know, I mentioned that I had this surgery last week and I had been doing all of this energy work and dealing with some things. And I truly believe what happened is that my body was trying to rid itself of the symptom, the physical symptom of, um, the what had been before I did the energy work and so I think that this that this for me it came about because my body was trying to push something out because it, it no I would no longer needed to hold on to that energy mm-hmm. that would make a lot of sense yeah uh, I find it interesting if we move towards like your book I, I was reading like a summary where it says um when mystical experiences occur people awaken to a more humane world of view um and at first I was thinking, does that mean, like, you know, I guess in a way I kind of connected to that because that's kind of what's going on with me where <laughs> odd things are occurring. And then I'm, now I'm seeing more of a connection because I'm a paranormal investigator at first. I'm always that logical thinker guy, you know. And then now that things are kind of changing, uh, it's opened my my uh, eyes and my viewpoints to a lot more. But, like, there's a lot more to it than just that. Um and when I was thinking about the book, it's not just people who have near-death experiences or whatever. It's just something that can happen in their lives that take them and turn them to a different path. Would that be correct on the assumption of the book? Yes. Um, there are 37 profiles or, or tales in the book, mm-hmm. and they're all different. 
some are indeed near-death experiences. Some are dark nights of the soul. Uh, some people have had these abilities since childhood. Sometimes they turn them off and re, re, revisit them afterwards. Um, sometimes they're lucky enough to have parents who don't ridicule their imaginary playmates, and um, they, they maintain their abilities to see energies and to connect to other dimensions. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's really just an intellectual process where people think, you know, there has to be more than this. And they go out and they study and they learn, and gradually they are convinced mm-hmm. that we, we are, you know, what I've been saying, energy beings having a human experience. <laughs> that's a great way that's a great way to look at it but why do you think then that we get so lost in the human experience that we lose that connection because i agree we're all connected to one another and um i mean very very intensely connected to one another why can't we notice that because i think it serves the universe for us to come in not knowing that um, it, if we knew that we were part of this universal love fest, if you will, we wouldn't have the impetus to create, to, um, to struggle, to be afraid, to be happy, to be joyous. This, is, this human life is our artist's canvas, and it's up to us to figure out what masterpiece we want to paint with it on it if we you know if we were all kind of in the the cosmic soup it would be a very different experience i really think it's god trying to expand through us Hmm. what i had a question because you stated before dark nights of the soul what what does that mean when you when you made that statement sure um Neil Donald Walsh is a good example. In my book, Meg Blackburn, her her company had gone foot. Her partners had uh, swindled her. She lost her house. She lost her relationships. You know, you get to the point where you're saying, like Job, my God, you know, what what am I missing? I can't take this anymore. Right. You want me to keep on living? Over to you. You know, help me. And the interesting thing is that when you call out from this, the depths of your soul, the universe responds. Yeah. And the universe responds because when you're in that dark night of the soul, it's a really powerful cry. Where, you know, if you're sitting pretty on, you know, sitting pretty and feeling good and you say, okay, God, help me, it probably doesn't have quite the oomph, does it? No, not at all. Yeah, but like if you're if you're saying to you're you're down pretty much you're down to the depths of where you feel like there's just there's nothing left, you know, you you don't know which way to go. Could couldn't that just push you to go to something just to jump onto it just because it makes you feel good, or or you know what I mean? Sure, that's why people become addicts, isn't it? Well, yeah, that's what I mean. But I mean, uh, so why would you automatically you just? think you're having a mystical experience because that makes you feel good is that what you mean yes yes correct look if it works what the heck (laughs) yeah does it that was my next question does it does it matter if you just think you're having it or if you're actually having it 
you know, I'm going to go back to my earlier comment about thoughts. Thoughts are real. Thoughts yes. create our experience of reality. Um, our perception uh, can be very different from the perception of somebody standing next to us. And what we perceive as good, somebody else might perceive as disastrous. I mean, that's what makes politics, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. So um, when you say, is it real, anything that you think of is real to you. And that's mm -hmm. all that matters. Okay. So I have a question from somebody in chat. And the question is, but aren't we supposed to live without fear to truly progress, progress spiritually? You know, who is the arbiter of spiritual progress? One of the gals in the book, Eileen Kendig, has a great comment. You know, I, I ask each of the, the people the same three questions. Was there an experience that changed your perception of the nature of reality? And what was it? Number two, um, what insight did you get as a result, and how did that change your life? And then number three, what message do you want to leave with the reader? So Irene Kendig said very forcefully, there is no wrong way to do life. And I just thought that was such a perfect comment. Because, <laughs> you know, if we all did life the same, it would be boring. We would bore sure. the pants off God. Sure, <laughs> sure. And, and that's a great affirmative statement that you can't do life wrong. Um, because I'll tell you what, there have been many times throughout my life where I've, thought, I've woken up and thought, man, I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> but as long as you learn from every experience, every experience makes you grow in one way or another. Sure, sure. So I'm thinking of, um, you know who Byron Katie is? Absolutely. So when when you hear Katie's story, she talks about that um, she was just in this horrible, dark place, and she didn't feel that she was worthy of um, even being around people or of her children, and that she she laid down on the floor in her bedroom, and she woke up the next morning, and everything was different. So clearly she went through some kind of a transformative experience, and she's turned it into this wonderful thing that she calls the work, which... Um, I recommend to people all the time because it's, it's so incredibly powerful. But what do you think happened to Katie from the moment she laid down in this despair and she woke up in the next morning and she'd lost all attachment to everything and she was in this totally new place? In a word, I think it's surrender. You, you stop trying to struggle against what is. Uh, what you think the world is or doing to you, and you just accept it as it is. And that's kind of the essence of the work. Mm -hmm. yeah. And once you accept it, then you free up all this energy to look for creative alternatives. So so often, you know, when when we go into fear or when we go we're, when we're depressed the reason that we're we're in that state is because either we're remembering past pain or we're extrapolating the pain that will come in the future which right. is why Eckhart Tolle talks about the power of now now mm -hmm. is the only moment in which we actually have to create our future right mm -hmm. So it's what we do with this moment now 
as opposed to worrying about what happened before or what's coming ahead. Absolutely. And how many times have you had the experience where you're worrying the heck out of a situation that never even occurs? <laughs> oh, too many my, times. Too many my times. Dad, when it does yeah. happen, it's nowhere near as bad as what you thought it would be. My dad actually used to give a talk. He was a high school counselor, and he would give a talk to, like, classes and stuff. And he always started the talk with 95% of the things you worried about last year didn't happen. <laughs> That's true. It's like whenever I'm going to go to the doctor, you know, they have like something wrong with me. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die. It's cancer and I'm dying. You know, they go to the doctor and like, uh, it's just a mold junk. So you just got to relax. You're okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so yeah, I know exactly what that means. <laughs> but how do you get, I mean, so I understand a dark night of the soul gets you to a place of surrender. And you mentioned um, Neil Donald Walsh and he was in a really crappy place too when he started having conversations with God. Um, so was his surrender as well? And how do you get to that place where you just, that's it. I gave up. Uh, everybody, you know, uh, is different, obviously. Yeah. Uh, in, in some cases, uh, you can't, people have even contemplated suicide. You know, it, it might just be a moment of grace. Um, one of the guys in the book, Howard Falco, he didn't have a dark night of the soul. He had it made. He had the, the house, the car, the, the, the multi-million dollar income. But he just had this divine discontent. He, was, he had it all and he wasn't happy and he didn't understand why he wasn't happy. And he just kind of, it, it cracked him open in some way that he had like a download and he calls it grace, of this moment where he started understanding the nature of the universe. Um, so, you know, not very many people have that um, ability, but I think we can approach it by going into silence, by meditating, by, by opening ourselves up to the messages that come through to us in so many different ways during the course of our lives. Sometimes they are paranormal experiences and we think, oh my God, I am going crazy. I cannot possibly tell anybody that that, that happened because nobody would believe me, they would, they would shun me, and so on and so forth. And so you tuck it away. But what that was, was the universe knocking on your door and saying, I'm here, I'm here for you, I'm here to help you listen to the, the advice I can give you, and, and I, in this case, is probably your spirit, your soul, your higher self, or maybe your angels, who knows. Interesting. So <clears throat> before we go to break real quick, I don't know if this is going to be a simple answer or a, a, a in-depth answer but when we're talking about we were talking about perception uh, i perceive this to be so it is but is there a difference between uh perception and what is real like you know i understand you can you know whatever you perceive can be real but is there a reality beyond our perception in other words it's real no matter whether we believe it or not it is still the real truth does that make sense you know that's where discernment comes in um, because there is such a thing as imagination, there is such a thing as wishful thinking. But sometimes wishful thinking actually makes it so. Mm -hmm. 
Um, okay. There are people who have mental health issues and who are seeing things that are not there, but who knows, maybe they are seeing another dimension. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe they're not the crazy ones we are. <laughs> I didn't say it, you did. <laughs> well, so... Um, Crystal in chat wanted to know if you could get to the point of surrender without getting hitting your lowest point, and can you encourage it so that you stop yourself before you bottom out? I should think so. Um, and, you know, surrender is in relation, you know, it's not that there's some big dude up there with a long beard saying, you know, surrender to me. Or, or right. <laughs> it's just living life to the fullest, being the best you that you can be. And in most cases, um, certainly in the book, they had a perception that in order to be their best self, they needed to be, they needed to help the universe. They needed to help the world. They needed to help others be in service. Okay. So, um, the surrendering is really mostly surrendering of the old mentality, of the old consciousness, and opening yourself to the new consciousness of connection to all that is, and all the, the information, the, the guidance that you can get as a result. Great. So that's a great place to stop. We need to take a break, and when we come back... Um, I want to get into some of the, and I know there's no one way to do it, but I'd like to, when we get back from break, get into maybe some of the nuts and bolts, um, the practical. Okay, so I'm ready to, to do this. How do I do it? Sound good? Sounds good. All right. Stick around, everybody. You're listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark with Karen Fraser and Chucky G. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. It's Karen Fraser from Paranormal Underground Radio. I'm here to tell you about my latest book, Pioneer Spirits, Investigating the Haunted Lewis County Historical Museum. In the book, I got together with Patty Valdez, South Sound Paranormal Research. SSPR has actually interacted with the ghosts at the Lewis County Historical Museum for more than seven years, and the experiences that I've had there as a volunteer and paranormal investigator have been significant. So I'm excited to share the story of the ghosts there with you. I hope you'll pick up a copy of Pioneer Spirits so that you, too, can know what it's like to encounter one of Washington State's most active haunts. This book is available on Amazon.com, or you can visit my website at AuthorKarenFraser.com. Hey, Hazy Radio listeners. Do you like animated movies and TV shows? Do you ever wonder just what goes into making the magic that appears on your screen? Join Doug Engler and Brandon Ahrens every Sunday night for Animazing Radio. Animazing will feature everything in the animation arena, from voice actors and actresses to illustrators, producers, and more. Only on Animazing Radio will you find the very best in animation from around the world. Catch Animazing Radio every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, only on the Hazy Radio Network. Babies, you gotta just roll with that flow. Yeah, right into that great daylight as the sun arises right there in your heart. 
starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time and running right into high noon, you've got the Coyote Medicine Show in the mornings with your host, Grandpa Peter Coyote, helping you take flight right into the heart, baby. That's right. You got to know. You got to get in the flow. The Coyote Medicine Show, only on the Hazy Radio Network. Where do you want to go to lunch? I'm having a stroke. Did you hear what I said? I'm having a stroke. Why aren't you answering me? I'm having a stroke. When someone is having a stroke, they may not be able to say it with words, but their body language will tell you loud and clear. Look for fast. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911 immediately. Know the sudden signs. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council.
this is Hazy, and you're listening to the Hazy Radio Network. Hello, this is Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. We are on the Hazy Radio Network. I am your host, Chucky G, along with Karen Frazier. We are talking with the wonderful Miriam Knight, and I have a question now that we're back from break. I would like to know, what, like, we're talking about your book, so I'd like to know what kind of experiences did some of the people uh, come to you with that made them change the course of their lives? Well, I mentioned a couple. Uh, one, one was uh, absolutely fascinating. I don't know if you've heard of Anita Morjani. Um, she wrote a book, Dying to Be Me. Okay. And she was a businesswoman who was admitted to hospital in a coma in, with stage four lymphatic cancer. And the doctors, you know, told her family that there was absolutely no hope whatsoever. So uh, she uh, had a near-death experience. She went through the tunnel, met her father and a friend, and she had she she was able to understand the nature of her disease that it came from her not loving herself enough, and also that she had the power to heal herself. And she believed that she, she just, it was such a visceral understanding um, that she agreed to come back mm-hmm. and um, she was able to eradicate the cancer from her body within days. And the doctors absolutely had no explanation for this because this case was so fully documented with CAT scans and x-rays and, you know, everything, Mm -hmm. that doctors came from around the world to actually see her. And she has gone on to become a lecturer. Um, She's shared the the dais with uh, Wayne Dyer and and, uh, been in conferences because her message is, people, you need to learn how to love yourself first. Mm -hmm. And when you love yourself, then you, you it spills over into your love in the world. Well, that, that's that, I mean that's just to me that's kind of amazing because you know you, you you're you're pretty much told that you're going to die. You go to the other side and then you find that it's it's really a simple thing. You need to love yourself. If you can love yourself, things will change. And then you come back and do so, and eradicates a, a deadly disease that could have took her life with that simple message. I th- I, th- I find it fascinating. And the, the message is, if you love yourself, you won't get sick in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. You'll have this flow of healthy energy in your body. Right. Uh, and, and also that we are powerful creators. Right. But why is it so hard, do you think, for us to... I mean, because it seems so simple. It seems so simple that if... If I don't want to be sick, I just need to love me. So why is that so hard? And why are so many of us sick? And then how do we take, this is like a 10-part question, so good luck. Um, <laughs> but then how do, we, how do we take when we do get sick and use that in a way to improve ourselves instead of blame ourselves? I think to blame ourselves is where I'm going to start. Because okay. when we grow up, when we're, 
um, domesticated by well-meaning or sometimes not very well-meaning parents, um, we lose the innocence, we lose the joy, the light that we were born with. And we start wondering, why do they not love me? Why am I not lovable? And we internalize all of these messages from um, growing up, from our, our friends, our peers. I mean, kids in the schoolyard can be absolutely vicious. So when you take that into uh, your adult life, it's very difficult to um, overcome these messages that have been so deeply embedded in our subconscious. And that's exactly why my husband makes a very good living, thank you, because hypnosis is one of the few ways you can actually access those messages in the subconscious and reverse them, turn them around. So that, the, the upbringing is really, uh, I think, at the core of it, at the core of it. Now, what, uh, you know, like you have a lot of different people talking about their experiences and, and how they've ch- changed their path or for, for whatever reason. How about the, the ideas of the afterlife and death? Are they all different? Are they all similar? Uh, you know, what were some of the stuff that you were getting from the people you were talking to? There are common themes. Um, you know, the, tunnel of light, but not everybody sees the tunnel of light. Some people meet angels, some people meet Jesus, uh, some people just see orbs of light. It kind of depends on what you are expecting to see, and I think that um, the other side accommodates that to make you feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the stories that I love was David Bennett, who was a deep-sea diver. Uh, He was in a very stormy sea, and he drowned, basically. And he found himself back on the deck of the ship, has no idea how he got there, but in later kind of reconstruction, Mm -hmm. um, he felt that it was the Archangel Michael. But what I found so fascinating about his tale of going through the tunnel and having the life review, which is a very common theme, was that not only did he review his life surrounded by very loving and unconditionally loving um, family, friends, and so on, mm-hmm. but he relived it from the point of view of every single person with whom he had interacted. So if he had caused someone pain, he felt the pain that he had caused. And that absolutely determined him to come back and be a much better person. Mm -hmm. When when you understand, when your your perspective broadens to take in the, the compassion for what other people are feeling, then you cannot inflict pain on others and that is I think where the the sort of global awakening is going it's this sense of kindness and compassion for others everybody is going through their own stuff Mm -hmm. give them a break let them work it out be supportive be there but be there for yourself first Mm -hmm. 
not selfishness. It's self-preservation. Right. Now, do you feel we're all one? Do you feel we're all tethered together? As it, like, you know, at one time we were all one, then we split. I mean, and, you know, is that a thought process that you believe in? The way that I understand it, to make sense of it for myself, mm-hmm. um, actually, I, I, rem- I interviewed Neil Donald Walsh about his, his book, uh, You've Got Me All Wrong. A, mes- a message from God, You've Got Me All Wrong, which I absolutely love the title. Um, yeah, that's so a good one. <laughs> the way he described it was, think of an ocean where each drop of water, each molecule is an independent molecule, mm-hmm. and yet it's still part of the same ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, if we think of this uh, vast ocean of consciousness that some people will call the Akashic Record or the field of infinite potential or the universal mind or the Atma or whatever, um, the 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 field is a field of consciousness, but the individual um, uh, I think of it as kind of a standing wave, a wave pattern um, that is us. We we are uh, patterns of energy, uh, kind of holographic patterns that encode all of our experiences as we live them and then share them with the whole. Mm-hmm. So would you say, like, the ocean then would have represent, like, God? God is everything. God, God is a collective name for all that is. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, many of the, the descriptions of meeting God, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. talk about going to a source of the most unimaginable feeling of love love and light and and i think to the close closest approximation um to the nature of god is the word love in in the most um indescribably deep glorious unimaginable sense mm-hmm. now now when some of the people you know that you had talked to that had their uh, maybe their near-death experiences. Let's go there. Um, were all of them religious? Were some that weren't religious? Did they still see, you know, God or heaven or angels, or was it totally different for them? Totally different for everybody. One of my favorites is Jessica Maxwell's. Uh, she wrote a book called Rolling Around Heaven, and she was about as agnostic. Uh, atheistic, anti-religion, as you can get, having been a recovering Catholic. And she uh, was driving back home after her father's funeral and was looking up in the sky and saw her father's face in the sky. Immistakably, it was her father's face. And she was pretty shaken up. She called her sister, and her sister, as soon as she answered the phone, asked Jessica, did you see anything in the sky? So her sister had seen the same face 2,000 miles away in Southern California. Wow. And this, this uh, being uh, a curious uh, person, she was an adventurer, a travel writer. Um, she started studying everything she could. And so 
she embarked on her understanding of the, the spiritual path after having this kind of vision. Mm-hmm. She, she being, you know, she, she accepted, okay, I saw this, my sister saw it, something happened. What mm-hmm. was it that happened? So that's kind of like uh, the, the paranormal experience as a path to the mystical, which I really like because that's really been my path. And so um, you mentioned that you and your husband were two of the most left-brained people out there. And, um, you know, I get that. <laughs> so what was it with you that caused this shift? Um, I, I thought I mentioned that. Uh, our friend who killed himself. Oh, right. Husband, okay. My husband. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, that's right. So that, but that caused the shift for both of you. Well, it certainly got our attention, and then we started <laughs> informing ourselves what was this all about. Um, there was another gal in the book, um, Suzanne Geisman. Suzanne was a commander in the U.S. Navy. She was on the staff of the Pentagon. I mean, she was not a flake by any stretch of the imagination. And when her stepdaughter died, she and her husband went to visit a medium because they were totally devastated by the death and they wanted to find some little crumb of comfort. And the medium told them things that she could not possibly by any stretch of the imagination have known. And so when Suzanne left the military, she started she became a journalist. She started uh, investigating the subject of mediumship and attended workshops. She wrote articles and books. And at one workshop, the, the teacher turned to her and said, now, Suzanne, you give a reading to the people. And she proceeded to give a reading to everybody in the room, and they were all blown away. <laughs> I bet she was blown away, too, wasn't she? She was pretty blown away, too, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, but those are all very extraordinary things. But I also think sometimes it's far more subtle. And you mentioned that, you know, we use discernment. Um, but is there, how, what if it's so subtle that we miss it? How do we recognize it and know for sure that this is the moment? That is one of the points of my book, really. Because I had had experiences even before this happened that I just dismissed as coincidence. The subtle things like um, I was uh, trying to send uh, by fax, I was trying to send two contract proposals to two competing companies in Australia. And the darn fax just wouldn't go through, wouldn't go through, wouldn't go through. I was tearing my hair out. And then I looked at the papers and I was sending the wrong contract to the wrong company. Oh, <laughs> and as soon as Phew. I switched them around, the facts went through without a hitch. Wow. Really? Yes. <laughs> Got to make that's... you pay a little bit of attention. <laughs> yeah, but, that's you a little know, What do you crazy. make of that? What do you make uh, of that? Yeah, I, I think a, I, I would think it would be, I, I, my, my original reasoning behind something that like that would probably be, well, what a weird coincidence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but when when you you know like in my book when when you have a context for these coincidences you see mm-hmm. that it's the universe protecting you helping you then you start to open up what other experiences did, did I have what other signs are coming my way that I should right. pay attention to 
Right. So do you find that when you miss the little signs that sometimes the signs get bigger and bigger and bigger until you have to pay attention? <laughs> oh, yes. That's called the cosmic two-by-four. Yeah, as I say, or, or an anvil being dropped on your head, yeah. Uh, yes, if you can see Chuck and I right now, we're both smiling and nodding because we have both been the recipient of the cosmic two-by-four at least once in our lives. And I think everybody uh, yeah. is, don't you think so? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. I have a sore spot in the back of my head because of that one. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I hear you. Thank you. Oh, pay attention. Just quit hitting me with a two by four. Um, so do we have a like, all right. So while we're here on the planet Earth uh, as living, breathing human beings, do we all have a purpose? Are we just supposed to come down and kind of, you know, live life and learn certain lessons and, and move on? Or is there? do you feel there's more to that than just that? Again, you know, it's just my interpretation of the story. Yeah, that's I okay. Believe, I believe that um, we kind of plan our existence. We kind of set the agenda of the experiences that we want to have, of the... Um, uh, interrelationships that we want to have and so on. We And we incarnate with our soul groups. So um, very often children will say to a very astonished parent, when I was your mother before, I was much nicer to you than you are to me. You know, kind of. <laughs> yes. Um, so I think it's up to us to do to go through our experience, our existence, and um, just to, uh, and, and, and we're guided mm-hmm. either subconsciously or with promptings from the universe as to um, where we, our, our spirit wants us to go, where our soul wants to go, what we want to learn, and and th- those are the promptings that we need to listen to. I don't think, you know, you were bad last time, so now you're in detention in this lifetime, and you better, you know, you better get it right. I don't think that's <laughs> the way it works. Okay. I think it's all a question of expansion and, and knowledge, experience, um, creativity, creating beauty creating, delivering joy, experiencing joy, being all we can be. It now, sounds you, like a, a really beautiful vision. I mean. Yeah, I agree. Well, I was just curious. It's like, you know, we always talk about this. Uh, we come back and like you were saying, we're not sent back to like do something because we were bad before. So, so that's good. But um, is there at any point where we don't return? Like where we've set ourselves on a different path where we go somewhere else? versus back here. Well, some of the authors um, who have channeled information uh, suggest that when we get to a certain level of vibration, then we don't return because we go on to bigger and better things in the cosmic scheme of things. Um, the, the, the universe is so full of activity that... Um, there's no way that we can even encompass the notion. Yeah, well, I that makes. It is, I think of it as 
going off and I don't know creating universes and planets and who knows cosmic poets maybe all sorts <laughs> of good stuff well that yeah exactly so here's here's the question that I have for you because somebody um, with a, a less glowing and positive outlook on life than you would say to you, but lady, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. And so you say that there's all of these positive changes and shifts in consciousness. I just don't see it because things are worse now than they've ever been. So what would you say to that? I would say it's a bit like um, a patient who is sick getting a fever. And the fever has to run its course, but at some stage the fever is going to break and then you're going to get better. I see the the incredibly awful things that are happening today on the background of an awakening. I think more and more people are becoming aware of of a, a, a bigger reality. Um, they are looking beyond um, the the media. They're looking beyond their traditional, you know, narrow religious upbringings and are opening to the possibility of a a time of peace and coexistence and, you know, beauty, the the kind of vision, utopian vision. But to get there, we're going to have to, you know, walk. There's no magic carpet ride. And the, 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 distance between here and there is going to be covered by actions on the ground. So I think the most important thing that we can do as awakening human beings is look around and see how we can make the world better in whatever little way that we can contribute with with our special particular gifts. Mm-hmm. Now, why why do you think that is why do you think because i i agree that i i see the humanity evolving somewhat you know this way do you why why do you think that is what 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 do you think started it you know like is it just because we're evolving as as humans or i think we we are obviously evolving um Mm -hmm. we're evolving in a better direction or not Mm-hmm. for uh, discussion. But yeah. If you look at the trajectory of, of history, mm-hmm. it just is, is spinning faster and faster. Our knowledge base is, is just growing exponentially. Um, and just look at what kids had to learn in school when you were in school and what mm-hmm. they had to learn in school. Um, the, whether, whether it's the Internet, technology, the alignment of the stars... All of the above, who knows? Yeah. Maybe it's benevolent ETs coming and giving us <sighs> technology and, and, I don't know, inspiration. Well, I think that would be just cool. You like the X-Files. I'd like that, no problem. <laughs> 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 but, no, that's that's interesting that you say that because, you know, when you look at the times of the world, you're like, man. You know, human beings, what the heck, you know, war and just the stuff that's going on. It's just, it's really sad. But then on the other end, you're saying there is hope for us that, um, uh, spiritually we are moving in a better direction. 
So, I mean, I guess that's good, right? I mean, it's a good message. Look, if you accept that um, humanity is crap and uh, it's going down the tubes, <laughs> and you have no incentive to make things better, and so it will become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right, right. Well, you said that thoughts are real. I mean, and, and so um, I don't know who. I mean, I've read so many authors over the years, but somebody says thoughts become things. And so I guess if your belief, your limiting belief is that humanity is crap, that becomes your reality in the world, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, I, I once took a class on dowsing. You know what dowsing is, where people yeah, take uh-huh. a fire thing and go find water underground. Mm-hmm. And they were showing us uh, what happens if um, the, the teacher put what he called a thought form right in the middle of the room. And as we approached it with our dowsing rods, our, do- our dowsing rods swung away from it. So this thought form had a, a, a physical presence in that room. Hmm. So it's energy becoming it's energy becoming matter because thoughts are energy. Mm-hmm. Well. So that's why things like visualization and affirmation are such powerful tools, and even prayer, then, that's why they're such powerful tools for affecting not just personal change, but, but global change as well. That's right. Of course, you, you have to couple that with a real belief. You know, if, if you're praying for something and you're always seeing it as something out of your reach, you will keep it out of your reach forever. Mm-hmm. You have to see it already in your energy field and, and as already having happened. And the, the more emotion that you put into the prayer, the greater the, um, the, the kind of manifesting energy it has. Uh, Esther Hicks, is, uh, her work, the, the Abraham um, channelings, mm-hmm. talk ab- about this beautifully. So I, I recommend them to your listeners. Yeah, I want to actually, because you've mentioned channeling a few times, and, and I have a, a few channels that I really like. Um, of course, I think that, that the conversations with God counts as channeling. And also, um, I'm a huge fan of the Emmanuel channeling and, uh, and also the cryon. So when somebody channels and it happens, what's going on there? I think they have just opened their energy field to influence um, from the entities. They have allowed it and invited it. And so they are able to quiet their own busy mind. And sometimes if, if they're a, a trans channel, they, were at, they will say that they actually go up into a corner of the room. You know, they kind of vacate the body and let the body take over. Uh, uh, let the let the uh, entity or entities. In the case of Cryon, he talks about a group energy that comes over him. Um, and in fact, Cryon was the reason that um, I really started believing this stuff because his was the first book that started to make sense of the universe for me. Now, when you when when you're saying wait, when you're talking channeling, okay, I'm, I'm understanding this. Um, like automatic writing, is that kind of the same thing where you're allowed? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. I was just, I haven't, I haven't tried any of that yet. So I'm, you know, I'm, and, and Neil Donald Walsh calls it revelation. 
Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of thing that happened to the prophets and everything. They allowed the energy, they invited the energy into uh, into them, and they channeled it out to the multitudes. Oh, okay. What was that like? So then Noah, let's go to the Bible, Noah or Moses, were they channeling? Were they, when they were talking to the guy, was that like channeling? Rose or? by any other name, yes. Okay. That's right. right. Well, you know, so that's, um, I think that anytime you open yourself up to spirit and spirit works for you. So I know, Chuck, that we talked about you doing some automatic writing and seeing how that went for you. And yes. the thing that I've had, like, recently is that they want me to draw. And it's a really, really sad thing because I'm really bad at it. But <laughs> they have, like, they have these specific things they want me to draw, and they, they and I know it's not me because I can't draw. So mm-hmm. that's a form of channeling as well, correct? Have you seen that young girl, Akian Kramaric? I don't know. She started drawing at the age of four, and her her art is... I mean, comparable to the greatest masters. Wow, mine's not. <laughs> but she never had. She never had a class, ever. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But yeah, but but but, but yes, yeah, she's drawing like these masters. Yes. Well, so I believe. I believe that all great art, whether it's literature or a beautiful music or anything, I believe all of that is channeled. I've written um, several books, and I and I go someplace differently when I write my book. I, it's not me who does the writing. I've always said that I didn't write those books. Those books didn't come to me. They came through me. Hmm. Well, in fact, I do automatic writing. I've been doing automatic writing for, I don't know, 18 years. Mm-hmm. When... When uh, my husband had his opening, we had this group of intuitives gather at our house, and I was the tea lady. And uh, one of them said, you know, of course, you're, you're intuitive as well. And I said, no, 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 no. They said, yes, 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 yes. And you will be having an opening in a few weeks. So the funny thing was that I had been reading Ruth Montgomery's books. Do you remember Ruth Montgomery? She had been a correspondent for the Washington Post, and she was a channel who, who did automatic writing. Mm-hmm. And I had just been reading her book on how she did it, and I, um, I just followed that practice. And the practice was simply going into meditation at the same time every day, sitting with a pad of paper and a pen, and waiting for something to happen, expecting, inviting, yeah. opening yeah. to something. Yeah, that, you're, that's important. The expectation is the most important part, isn't it? And the most difficult part is trusting yourself. Trusting <laughs> that, not your imagination. Well, yeah, see, Chuck funny, and I had it, that conversation. Yeah, we, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Chuck says yes. to me, "Well, I really want to open up, and you know, I'm going to do these things to open up." And I said, "Chuck, all you need to do is trust. You're making it yeah. too hard." Yeah, because yeah. I, I was telling Mary, I'm like, "Is it just? Is it like just be making goofy stuff up in my head, or is this like people like or you know beings or whatever?" telling me things you know what i mean it's just like well uh, i don't know because i'm a logical thinker so it matters to me i want to know that it's i i i I find it more exhilarating if it's not just me if it's actually communicating with someone other than myself you know what i'm saying (laughs) like just like i was just gonna ask well how do you do automatic writing and miriam just explained the whole thing right that's right see you trust Well, so, Miriam, um, the other thing I want to ask about is because the other thing Chuck and I have talked about is the role of ego 
as, um, you know, kind of a block. So how do you rise above ego? I understand that ego exists for an important reason, but there's no place for it when you're doing this type of work. So how do you rise above that? It depends on how you're defining ego. Um, if you're defining ego as selfishness, as um, uh, self-aggrandizement, then uh, that's going to block your connection to source. Sure. If you're talking of ego as a, a, a clear understanding of who you are and of loving yourself and of, of uh, nurturing yourself, then that is a very healthy uh, practice. Okay, cool. Well, I was thinking of it in terms of uh, the sense of I-self that makes you separate from everything. So to me, ego is the part of me that identifies myself as separate from from everything else. Um, so I would suppose that would be more the first definition, wouldn't it? Well, it, it's really exactly what you said. It's this sense of separation. It's the duality. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. feeling of a, a me and them. Mm-hmm. And when you extend that to between yourself and God, then you feel lost and disconnected. Um, and you, you feel the same way. I mean, so many of us in society are feeling isolated and disconnected. Right. I think that th- this is one of the things that we really need to work on in the coming time is reigniting the sense of community and connection with other people. Right. Go ahead, Jack. I had, I had a quick question. So uh, a lot of this has to do with loving yourself. Like once you do that, it, it looks like everything else just kind of opens up. So uh, my question is since, you know, when I was a child, my father was not a very nice person um, and called me a failure on a daily basis my whole life. Okay. My whole life, I was nothing but a failure. That's, I can re- exactly verbiage. So, uh, it made my path through life difficult. Uh, I started going down some roads I shouldn't have gone down, but luckily I was strong willed enough to know I needed to, to change my path, uh, which I did. And I'm where I'm at now in life. And I, I'm pretty uh, happy about where I'm at in life. But how, what's the first step to, Loving yourself unconditionally. What would you say to someone and say, hey, you know, Miriam, tell me how I can do this. What would you, what were the first words you would tell that person? Let go of the past. The past does not equal the present or the future. Let's start today. I mean, my husband as a hypnotherapist mm-hmm. has this technique he calls future pacing. Okay. If you keep, stay with the mindset that you have today, mm-hmm and project yourself five years into the future. What will you see? What will you, your life be like? Mm-hmm. That's a, so that's... if you, if you um, can't let go of mm-hmm. wounds of the past, mm-hmm. you will be drawn down by them. You will be drawn back. Sometimes our greatest teachers are our greatest tormentors. The fact that you have the strength to overcome that tearing down of you by a person who should have been your protector and mm-hmm. your, your mentor mm-hmm. just means that you have a deeper understanding 
of the damage that that can do. Mm-hmm. And I bet if you have children that you certainly would never have done that to them. No, I have four children. I've never done any of that to them. I, I've made sure that 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 I've always respected them, never talked down to them, and treated them with the, the utmost love. So, no, I never did that. So, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, and the thing that you said about our, our greatest tormentors are often our biggest teachers. To me, the thing that I struggle to realize that I get intellectually, but I often don't get into emotionally is that those people, those people that, you know, I look at and I think, I really don't like you because you're such a jerk to me, they are doing it out of love. They're doing it out of out of love at some level. Right, that's what I mean. It's an act of love Probably. on the spiritual level. <laughs> or, you know, it. We don't know what kind of upbringing they had, what kind of right. mindset they had. Right. Um, if they're tormented uh, in their in their spirit, um, they're trying to make themselves feel better. So if they can show, prove to themselves that the world is like this, then they were not um, singled out. You know, they they didn't get dumped on just because they were bad. They got dumped on because the world is crappy, and they're going to make sure that they prove to themselves that the world is crappy. Therefore, yeah. they were not unworthy. Yeah, yeah. I look at the jerks in my life as my greatest teachers, um, and I try to love them for that. <laughs> and I'm not always very grateful, <laughs> but I try. No, and I know, and I know, I know what you're talking about because you know. Besides my father, you know, I was always bullied. You know, I was a kid because I was very small and scrawny, and um, but I did learn. I, I learned what not to do from those kind of people. I learned to do the exact opposite and what it really meant to, like you know, what what it would feel like if I did that to someone else. I would know what they felt like. So I took that to heart and made sure that um, I, I I was never that way towards anybody. You know, so I, that makes a lot of sense. So what is so so your book that you wrote um what is the hope for the book what is the the purpose of of writing this book to show the many different ways that people can have a conscious awakening and what they can do with that in the world um i i hope that it gives people a context for understanding the different ways that spirit can may have already been speaking to them or can speak to them in the future and to give themselves permission to acknowledge it. They're not crazy. Uh, Life has moved on, so these are no longer the kind of things for which people are locked away. And, Mm -hmm. you know, with, with Hollywood and television and everything, there's just such a greater acceptance of these phenomena and a greater understanding. And, and I think that that is what is helping the, the awakening that we're seeing today. Mm-hmm. So go ahead, Karen. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I really like that this has become more mainstream because, you know, I was one of those secretive people having those paranormal experiences and those <laughs> spiritual experiences and thinking, oh, my God, if I told anybody in it, this, I'd think I was a nutcase. So, so I appreciate that people like you 
um, get the word out that help people to um, feel more freely, feel more free to express those types of things. Because I, I agree, that's how we grow and that's how we learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I haven't, and I haven't even read the book, but just talking to you was very enlightening. I mean, for me, um, I've I've learned. Uh, a great deal just from your your thought process and what you had to say. So, I, I, personally, I want to say thank you. I really appreciate that. Well, thank you very much, Chuck. You're so this is this is where we are now, Miriam. We we like to allow our guests to pretty much shamelessly self promote themselves at at <laughs> this part of the show. Um, and so, can you give people information about your book, uh, projects you have coming up, where they can find more information about you, that type of thing? Absolutely. Um, as I mentioned, I'm the uh, publisher of New Consciousness Review, which is a website that does book and film reviews and a digital magazine that you can sign up for free on ncreview.com for New Consciousness Review. That's ncreview.com. And if you want to follow us on Facebook, all that good stuff, just look for NC Review. And the book is What Wags the World? Tales of Conscious Awakening. Um, it is available in all the good places. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and a bookstore near you. Great. Very good. Well, this has been a great conversation, and I love that we do shows like these. It's nice to get away. I mean, we, we you know, the, the ghosts and things are, are kind of our bread and butter, but I love getting away from that and, and talking about sort of the more deeper esoteric topics as well. So thank you very much for opening our minds and, and helping us to think about some important things. Yes, thanks, thank Miriam. Thank yep, you. you bet. All right, well. I hope that if you have another book coming out, you'll get in touch with us, let us know, and we'll have you back on. Well, I'm working on one, and I will. Thank you. Very good. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, th- thank you so much for coming on the show and on our very first Paranormal Underground Radio yeah. in the Dark. This is, thank you. you you're our inaugural guest, and I think you were just perfect. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you. Good night. All right, so uh, Chuck, is your mind stretched? Yeah, my mind's like, it's like if you can see my hands going. (laughs) It's like because, you know, when I came into this, when I came into the show tonight, you know, I read who, what it was about and everything. I'm like, oh, great. The newbie is going to have to touch on this kind of stuff, you know, because I didn't really know. I don't, you know, I'm just learning. So it's like I felt like, oh, God, am I going to be able to, like, (laughs) stay up with this, you know what I mean, and understand it. But, uh by listening yeah, and, yeah. and everything, I mean, I really, I really have, I've got a different viewpoint on kind of maybe where to go a little bit as far as my life is concerned, and maybe what I need to do to to make it even better. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. it was very, it was very enlightening. So, and this is this is perfect given where you are. Kind of, um, I hate to use the word journey because it sounds so bachelor, but you know <laughs> where you are in your journey right now is, yeah, uh, is. you yeah. know, this is this is this is just dovetails perfectly. And what's funny is that she mentioned uh, somebody and when in the middle of the show she was talking about somebody who was in her book and Cheryl's like, oh my god, I was just looking her up online today. So, <laughs> no, and it's Cheryl, true that. Yes. Cheryl, you there? I'm here. Cheryl, there's perhaps there's a message there uh, for you. I think that there is. I I need dun, to pay dun, attention. Dun. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a great show, huh? Yeah, it was awesome. It was Ooh. really it, it was really really good. And it's funny yeah, that you're I, saying 
It's, so it's funny that what you say journey, because it's really true. That is kind of how I feel it is. It's like a journey. I know. You know? I know. The, I, really, The Bachelor and The I Bachelor know. ruined that word. Karen's making fun of me, and I just make him faces. <laughs> yeah, The Journey. Whatever, faces. Chuck. Whatever, Journey boy. Well, it's a good band. Faces. I could good... start making faces at you if you like. Ooh, whoa, whoa. Oh, did you hear this? I have listeners. I have witnesses. If I disappear, they know what happened. Yeah, that's right. I reached through Skype from Washington <laughs> State to Chicago. She's going to send her psychic vibes and mess up my whole journey, and I'll be going on some dark, dark path. Uh, I think that you have a lot more control over things than you do. Now, I want to bring this up because... Um, the the stuff that Miriam was talking about, you know, I get I, I tell people a lot that I don't believe that true uh, spiritual evil exists. And by that, I mean, uh, you know, Satan and demons and things like that. I believe that human evil exists, mm-hmm. but it's because of the things that she's talking about that I really believe that the universe we live in is a very safe place um, for our not necessarily always for our bodies. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, too. And, and when uh, I got a little confused there when we were first talking about, um, well, you know, if you perceive it, it is. It's like, well, okay, That's now I have, one, I, I have an issue sucking that down, okay? I'm going to be honest with you. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, well, all right, I perceive I'm rich. Uh, that ain't happening. I perceive that. No, you but know, you might perceive, if, if you truly believe in that mm-hmm. perception, uh-huh. um, then that creates an energetic thought form in the universe. I could tell you stories about how powerful affirmation and visualization have been in my life. And well, the yeah. well, yeah, and I understand it. I mean, I was in martial arts, and that's kind of how you do it. Like, you know, I'm going to break the board. Well, you know, you think your hand, you think a board, oh, my God, no. If you think, oh, my God, no, and you just kind of hesitate, you're just going to mess up your hand. But if you believe, yeah, I can go through it, there's no problem, it's really simple, it's easy, I just do it, boom, you do it. So, I mean, I get that part of it. But, I mean, to what extent does that go before, Mm -hmm. you know, the reality of us when we're here right now, there is a reality that we need to deal with. The reality is if I jump off a building, I'm going to die. Okay, so do you see is- me shake? Well, no, that's the physical reality. You're right. Yeah. There are physical consequences of things that happen. However, um, I think that you're mistaking what's actually reality, Chuck. How, how so? How so, Miss? Well, um, you're talking about reality for the Chuck that is. Chuck, Chucky G sitting here on the radio. What yes. about the spirit that is Chucky G, which is actually real? The you that agreed to come into this lifetime and have these experiences or the you that is eternal and is part of the whole? I would argue with you that these experiences that we have as living, breathing, flesh and blood human beings mm-hmm. are actually um, like us going to a movie that uh, you'll find a lot of authors and uh, channels that argue that what we experience here as flesh and blood is illusion. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and, I, and I've read that, too. You know, this is, mm-hmm. this is not really real. It, you're, it's just your perception of it. Now we're back to that word perception again. But mm-hmm. um, it's real to me. I mean, I have to deal with it on a daily basis. My family's real to me. Everything's real. I smell things. That's real. I taste things. That's real. I feel sure. things. That's real. You know, I think things and I, I, I feel they're real. So, you know, that's I mean, the duality it, that she was talking about. That right, we yeah, live in this, this duality where there's, uh, 
ultimate reality where mm-hmm. spiritually you are safe. Mm-hmm. And then there's physical reality where if I step in front of a truck going 60 miles an hour, I'm going to be splattered <laughs> on the windshield. Yes, yes. And I, and I get that. I understand that. But, you know, it's it's really hard because the physical reality overwhelms the spiritual reality. As far as I'm concerned, at it, least at this point, I'm trying to learn not it, to think that way. Can. But Yes. No, it, you're absolutely right. It can't. And so it can. That was not a can't. It was yeah. a can. Okay. But here's the thing. Um, she mentioned about living in the moment. Now, realize also I've been dealing with these concepts for 30 years. Mm-hmm. So, so I, and I was right where you are. I was like, what? And I yeah. still am sometimes <laughs> because it's really, it's really tough to wrap your brain around. Um, and I forgot what the hell I was saying. No, but the, it, so, you know, yeah, that's I, all good. Well, yeah, it makes <laughs> sense too. Um, it, it makes sense that I have to learn. Uh, you know, y- you have to keep in mind the, the physicalness because we are here. We, and we don't want to, you know, die quickly, you know, right. uh, at least I don't want to. But at the same right. time, while you're here, you can make yourself a better inner being by yes. learning that other stuff. Yes. Does that make and sense? so okay. now I, re- I remember where I was going with it. Okay, um, go ahead. You know, I'm almost 50 years old and I've been on pain pills for a week and, you know, so the brain not so good right now. Um, but the way that you, you focus in the moment, you focus on the moment of now instead of looking to the past or looking to the future. And, um, that helps you to tie together the spiritual reality and the physical reality. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, it does. And I, I, I have to work at it, you know, and stuff like that. And I, I want to try the automatic writing, man. I think that's so cool. So I'm gonna, I'd like to try that too. I just don't know. I mean, I kind of heard how you should go about it. I don't know if you just sit there with a pencil in your hand and put a piece of paper there and just, and then just kind of like start to meditate. Is that how you do? And then mm-hmm, just kind of, mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And just kind of let whatever flows in your head, mm-hmm. just let your hand do its thing and see what happens. Uh-huh. All right, yeah. I'm gonna try that. Yeah. I'm gonna try that. Yeah. Oh, and by I've, the way, I've done it. yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, I know we're you know we have still have a little time left, but before I forget, because you know when I came back from break, I was so excited to talk with everybody. I forgot to say uh, the bands that you're listening to on break were um, Audio Moonshine, uh, the first song you heard at first break, and that's All My Life. And you find out more about them at AudioMoonshine.com. Uh, you can go to the second one, of course, was Mindset Evolution. Uh, the song is Burn It Down. You can find out more about them at MindsetEvolution.com. There you go. I got it out. I just want to make sure I got that out before I forgot. So, because I'm getting old and I forget. So, fair enough. So, Cheryl, now this is the time for you to turn on your microphone. Dun, dun, dun. I, it's on. It is on. <gasps> All right. So, what do we have on week two of this, of Karen and Chuck's excellent adventure? Mm-hmm. January 29th, we are speaking with Artie, Dr. Artie Six Killer Clark. She is the author of Sky People, Untold Stories of Alien Encounters in Mesoamerica, as well as the book Encounters with the Star People, Untold Stories of American Indians. Whoa. Man, is this like ancient some- aliens kind of stuff? Uh, well, if you'd like to learn more about Dr. Clark's work, you can go to sixkiller.com. See, I'm afraid of the name. Don't a little Six Killer for crying out loud. It's a little frightening. Yeah, it is. Not going to lie. I'm picturing like six guns pointing at me. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want any part of being killed. No. 
<laughs> Not no. today. No, no, no. You lost enough blood. You don't need to give any more, sister. No, mm. I can't. I don't want to catch up to Rob. Not even a little. All well, right. So um, yeah. good stuff coming up next week. Rick already did a preview of the magazine with Cheryl in his hour. So, Cheryl, I'm just not going to do that again. Got a oh, problem with that? Ouch. Would you like to do it again? <laughs> yes. Please, so. please check so. out Paranormal oh, Underground okay. magazine at paranormalunderground.net. Well, yeah, you got to do it on this show because it's Paranormal Underground and Paranormal Underground. See the connection? I do. I'm and Chuck, I am yes. I, you know, we didn't talk about this at the top of the show, but I am absolutely thrilled that, you know, I get to stare at your face and your microphone every Thursday <laughs> night and we can we can have these these little chats. These little moments. The little these little moments. The little glances at each other while we're doing the show. That's right. I oh I think at one point you booped my nose. <laughs> Yes, I did. At one point, you made this face, and I wanted to start laughing. I'm like, I'm on the radio. You can't do that. And I was like, oh, my God. Pull together. Pull together. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, this is my my entire goal is to get Chuck to crack up on the air. So (laughs) It'll be really terrible because then the guests will be, like, really talking. Well, yes, you see this this thing that happened, and then the person died. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) no, I know. What the hell is wrong with that guy? I know when to make the faces and when not to. Where maybe I was having some really weird audio interference when you were talking. Maybe that's what I made the face. I thought you weren't looking at me. I figured I could sneak in, sneak in a little nose pick or well, something. No, maybe. yeah, you did like a couple times because I saw uh, it was like oh 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 oh, and then um, your face was like frozen, and then I'm like, hey, but I can still hear you talking. I'm like, oh, this is weird. Uh, that was, and I have to ask a question. What happened when we came back from break and I was waiting now. for the end of the song and all of a sudden it's, it was just like dead and I just jumped it's right It's happening in. now. Is it? It's happening now. Yes. I don't know. So here's, here's what we should do. We should end this first edition of Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark. <sighs> what do you think? All right. That's cool. I guess. All right. So thank you guys for listening to Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark on the Hazy Radio Network. We will be back next week, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, other times in the flyover states. (laughs) Ha ha, see? Yeah. Just shook his fist at me. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll look forward to talking back at you next week. Good night. Good night. If you'd like to be a guest, Paranormal Underground Radio in the Dark, email us at editor at paranormalunderground.net. And until next week, remember this. If something looks out of place or doesn't feel quite right, it could just be something paranormal.